Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Shooting the Sports Podcast with Ebony and Ivory. My name's Jonathan. I'm the Ebony. And my name's Nick, and I'm the Ivory. Welcome into episode 15. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about the Major League Baseball All-Star Game, which took place Tuesday night. Picking up where we left off last week with DeAndre Ayton and his offer sheet from the Pacers, as well as updating you on what's happening in NBA free agency. And then we will end the episode by giving our thoughts on athlete salaries. Uh, But first, let's talk about some current news. Uh, I want to start off uh, by sharing a story with you that I read about J.J. Watt. Uh, A girl in Texas was selling a pair of J.J. Watt shoes and a J.J. Watt jersey to help pay for her grandfather's funeral. She posted the items on Twitter, tagged J.J. Watt in the, in the post. He responded by telling her not to sell the jersey and the shoes and that he would be helping pay for the cost of the funeral. I thought that was just awesome of him, and I want to give a huge shout-out to J.J. Watt. That is just an amazing act of kindness by, from what I understand, a very, very nice man. I'll be completely honest with you. It doesn't surprise me at all. Um, everything I've read and heard about J.J. Watt, is he's that kind of person. This is the same man that was rowing a boat during the hurricanes to help rescue people. So, yeah, definitely shout out to him. Another piece of news that I found pretty interesting this past week, high school basketball prospect Gigi Jackson from Columbia, South Carolina, was committed to play for the University of North Carolina Tar Heels as part of the 2023 class recently announced that he was decommitting from UNC to sign with South Carolina. Now, this is significant because he was expected to announce, I believe just this coming week, uh, that he's going to reclassify for the 2022 class and play this coming season. And he is also the first UNC recruit to decommit since J.R. Smith in 2003. Now, my question is, is there something happening at UNC behind the scenes that we're not aware of, or is this just a case of, you know, y'all signed the transfer from Northwestern. I think his last name was Nance. Um, and you know, and just didn't have any playing time for him. Um, I, I, I'm going to go with the the playing time just because of the people we brought back. Um, I think he probably wants to have a more significant role. Um, that would be my guess coming from a UNC fan. Yeah. You know, I, I had to ask, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping there's something behind the scenes that we don't know about, you know, as a Duke fan. But yeah, I, I think it's just sim- as simple as you guys brought in a, a graduate transfer who's going to be taking the the Brady Manic spot, and they play the same position. The kid's a you know a power forward, same as Nance. So yeah, I, I think it was just you know there wasn't going to be a whole lot of playing time going around for him, and he's going to get to showcase all of his talents at South Carolina. Uh, but again, like I said, found that interesting due to the fact that it's the first UNC commit to decommit from the school in almost 20 years. Another interesting thing that I found out this week, the Baltimore Orioles drafted Jared Beck from Division II St. Leo University. Now, this is significant because Jared Beck is seven feet tall. If he does make the majors, he would be the tallest Major League Baseball player ever. Interesting. Yeah, good luck to him. I would definitely like to see a seven-footer throwing heaters on the mound in the majors. Now, last night was the ESPY Awards on ESPN. Some of our big winners were Katie Ledecky. She became the first swimmer since Amy Van Dyken in 1997 to win Best Athlete in a Female Sport. 
the Warriors won best team for the first time, excuse me, became the first NBA team to win best team since they did it in 2017. Justin Thomas won best golfer. Nellie Corda won best female golfer. And Shohei Otani became the first Major League Baseball player to win best athlete since Mark McGuire did it in 1999. So I want to shout out Katie Ledecky real quick coming from a swimmer's perspective because everyone knows who Michael Phelps is, you know, um, and what he's done and everything. But Katie Ledecky, she, she's just done it the right way. Um, she constantly is training just as hard as Phelps. She's always on top of her game. And just being able to do what she's done, I want to give a big shout out to Katie Ledecky. Yeah, definitely. A huge shout out to everybody that won an award last night at the SPs. Um, and then also shout out Steph Curry, who did a pretty good job um, as a host last night, cracking a few jokes. I don't know if you've seen the one joke, but right in the middle of one of his speeches, Draymond Green chimes in and he says, welcome back to the Draymond Green show. And, you know, he was pretending to do a podcast and Steph said, well, what's going on here? What's going on here? And he said, oh, he said, well, I'm live on my podcast, coming to you live from Los Angeles, the home of seven professional sports teams, and the Clippers. I thought that was absolutely hysterical, throwing shade <laughs> at the Clippers. Um, but speaking of Shohei Otani, who we were just mentioning, won um, Best Athlete. He played in the All-Star Game on Tuesday night. And before we get into what happened with the All-Star Game, I just want to give out a huge shout-out to Otani. Last year, I don't know if you were aware of this, last year he became the first Major League Baseball player in history to be named to the all-star team as a pitcher and a hitter. Well, I also found out that he did it again this year. He did not play in last night, or excuse me, in Tuesday night's game as a pitcher, but back-to-back years has been named to the all-star team as a pitcher and a hitter. He's just an unbelievable athlete right now, and it's no surprise that he won best athlete. Yeah, I mean, honestly, you always see a lot of these international players come in, like Otani and everything, but... There's what words can say that, you know, that hasn't been said. The man is going to go down as one of the greats in my book. Absolutely. Um, even in the short career that he's had, um, you know, they always say the best ability is availability and the man is available on both sides and has a significant impact on both sides. So, um, and for all we know, he's doing it right. Obviously, you know, nothing's come out about roids or doping or anything. So, I mean, the, the man is a, uh, just a beast. There's not much more to say. Absolutely. Yeah. He is just, we're, we're literally seeing history made right in front of our eyes. Um, it's, it's the same with watching LeBron and what he's doing right now. Love him or hate him. We're witnessing history and we only have a short amount of time to enjoy it. And I think everybody baseball fan or not definitely should enjoy what Shohei Otani is doing right now. But moving on to the All-Star game, American League won their ninth straight All-Star game, 3-2 to two last night. Game started off in the first inning. Ronald Acuna scored on a base hit by Mookie Betts. Then Paul Goldschmidt hit a solo home run to make it 2 to nothing. The American League scored then in the fourth inning on a Giancarlo Stanton home run, which tied the game. And the following batter, Byron Buxton of the Minnesota Twins, hit a solo homer to make it 3-2. to two which is where it stayed until the end. Now, one thing I want to point out, I noticed that they announced this before the game. Unfortunately, it did not happen, but Major League Baseball announced that 
if the game was tied after nine innings, that they would do a home run derby to decide the winner of the game. Three players from each side would take three swings, the most home runs after that wins. Sort of like a, a hockey or a soccer shootout. Now, I love that idea. You know, I I still think they should keep the same extra innings in that for the regular season. But as far as all-star games go, I love this rule. It makes it more exciting. I think it's going to make people want to watch the game. I noticed the teams only scored in the first and the fourth inning of that game. Now, this is an all-star game. People are tuning in. People are people are paying money to go to that game to watch players score and watch, you know, watch the players showcase their talent. Well, it's hard to do that when you're only scoring in two half innings out of, you know, the entire game. Now, my suggestion for the All-Star game, I don't know how popular or unpopular of an opinion this would be. My suggestion would be put a runner on second base to start every half inning. Make it exciting for the fans. Give, you know, give the pitchers something to worry about starting off. You know, give the hitters something to shoot for right at the beginning of the inning. I think they would score a lot more runs. I think it would just be overall more exciting for the fans. The uh, Surprisingly, the average for the All-Star game is only about eight runs per game. And over the last six years, that's only been hit one time. So I don't know. You know, I'd like to hear your thoughts on it. I, you know, I, I, I well, like baseball. Further to another sport because I think that you're right. Um, I, I love it. It keeps everyone engaged. I would almost like to see what they're doing with Major League Baseball transfer over to other sports. You know, the longest time everyone says, you know, the Pro Bowl is a joke with the NFL. I would love to see something where, you know, the winner of the Pro Bowl gets home field advantage during the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. I I like that idea. I've actually thought that idea for, for a while now. The only The only argument I think really that comes with that is nobody playing in the Super Bowl is – playing in the pro bowl because if you, you know, obviously if your team makes the super bowl, you sit out the pro bowl. So now you have a bunch of people that have no skin in the game. As far as the super bowl goes, deciding who gets home field advantage. Um, another thing too, is I think it's, I think it's harder to do when you play in a random stadium every year for the super bowl. Not every team, you know, necessarily gets to be the home team. You know, that, yeah, the Buccaneers did it and the Rams did it last year, but those are the first times in history, which, again, kind of crazy that it happened back-to-back years. But, yeah, I I definitely think some things need to be done, you know, and I think we can both agree things need to be done for the All-Star game for baseball. But through the first half of the season, though, let's get into some of the totals on who's showing up and showing out for Major League Baseball right now. Some leaders through the first half of the season – Josh Bell of the Washington Nationals, batting 311, leading all hitters. Justin Verlander of the Houston Cheatstros, I mean, excuse me, the Houston Astros, is, is leading all pitchers with 12 wins and an ERA of 1.9. Jordan Alvarez, also from the Astros, leading all hitters with 26 home runs. Francisco Lindor of the New York Mets is leading the majors in RBIs with 66 and Dylan Cease of the Chicago White Sox has the most strikeouts with 150. 
So those are your individual statistical category leaders, best teams in baseball so far, leading the way from the American League, the New York Yankees at 64 and 28, the Dodgers right behind them at 60 and 30, Astros are 59 and 32, and right behind them are the New York Mets, 58 and 35. My question so for you, John. Said, oh, you're already going to ask. Go for I it. Think I'm, I think I'm beating you to the punch here one step ahead of you. Who you got? Who you got in the World Series this year? We'll do early predictions. We'll come back as it gets a little closer uh, once the Off playoffs get decided. the top of the head, decided. from what I've seen, I've got the Dodgers and the Astros. Interesting. Okay. Okay. What about you? I actually have the other two of the four top four teams. I have the Yankees and the Mets. Um, I think the Yankees are going to get it done. Um, I'm calling a Yankees-Mets Subway World Series, if you want to call it. Okay. I think the Yankees get it done in six games. It would be the second time in history that those two teams have met in the World Series. Yankees got them in five in 2000. But the Yankees just have, they have obviously the best record in baseball, but they just have an overall great team. Second best bullpen in the majors behind Houston. You know, Judge, Stanton, Glaber Torres, Rizzo, Garrett Cole. I could go on and on with the talent they have on this team. But I would not be surprised to see the Dodgers in there. Um, and, you know, Yankees, Astros, Dodgers, Dodgers, Mets. I think Dodgers that, are just deep. They're so deep. They are. They are. And, you know, and I, I do think the Astros have a chance as well because, like I said, they have the best bullpen in baseball right in front of the Yankees. So, that always plays a big part when it comes to playoff baseball. It's going to be an exciting second half of the year. You know, these top top four teams are only separated by six and a half games. So, you know, it's still anybody's game. But yeah, early prediction for me, I'm saying Yankees get it done in six games over the Mets. Okay. Now, last week... You don't need it. Yeah, yeah. Last week, we, uh, we left off by with some... Breaking news that DeAndre Ayton had received an offer sheet from the Indiana Pacers. Now, shortly after we ended our recording, the Suns matched that offer sheet for DeAndre Ayton. From what I understand, they matched it as soon as they received it. They said there was no thinking about it. They had 48 hours to match it. It sounds like they got the offer, signed it, and sent it right back in. The offer, again, was for four years, $133 million. Now, the Suns could have offered him five years, $179.6 million. This deal is going to save the Suns a little over $2.5 million on average per year. Not a huge savings, but, you know, they, they get the deal that they're comfortable with since they didn't come to an agreement with Aiton. They still view him as a vital part of their team. I agree with that. I would have been really worried for the Suns if they would have lost Aiton for nothing. Um, he cannot be traded until January 15th. Even if they do look to trade him, he has a no-trade clause for the first year, so he would have to approve any deal. Um, but I look for them to build around him and Booker for the future. And quick shout-out to DeAndre Ayton. He talked about how this new contract is going to allow him to help the people of Bahamas which is where he grew up and where he's from. Um, so big shout out to him. First thing that he came out of his mouth when he signed a $130 million deal was, I can help the people from where I'm from. So big shout so, out to him. Let me ask you a question then. 
they got Booker locked up. They got Aiton locked up. Mm-hmm. Are we witnessing the next quote unquote dynasty? The way the Clipper, the way the uh, Golden State Warriors were. I mean, it's definitely possible, but I feel like I feel like this dynasty should have already gotten going. You know, prior to this, um, Aiton's going into his I think now fifth or sixth year, fifth year. Um, they, you know, Booker's been around for a while. These guys are at the point where I feel like if they're going to start that dynasty, you could, I guess you could make the argument it started this year. They did make it pretty far. You know, they made the finals a few years back. I don't know. You have to win a title before you can be considered a dynasty, in my opinion. Um, No, you're right. But I, I I definitely think they have the, the potential and it's a possibility for them. They have a great team. You know, Aiton and Booker is a great young core to build around. They still have CP3. He might only have a year left, if that. But, yeah, I think it's definitely possible. They need to make the right moves, put the right pieces around those two. Um, I think Aiton needs to take that next step and be a little more assertive. But if he can do that, yeah, sky's the limit for those two. So before we move on, since we're on the free agency, still haven't heard anything. It's been very, very quiet. Where's Kevin Durant going? You know, I have no clue. There's been no, like you said, there's been no new, no new news about Kevin Durant, his situation. I'll be honest. I think it's going to be a bunch of rumors. And then I think we're all going to wake up one day and it's going to be breaking news. Kevin Durant goes to wherever. Um, I think it's just going to come out of the blue and come out of nowhere. And I don't think anybody's going to see it coming. I don't know. I, I'm just going to pick a team just to have a guess. It was one of the two teams that was on his list, one of them being the Suns. The other one was the Heat. I'm going to say he ends up in Miami, and him and Jimmy Butler run Miami next year. Okay. All right. I can see it. That is a pure guess, though. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm still with the money and everything like that. I, I still think. And this is an outside, obviously, really low in the totem pole. I like him in Orlando with with Paolo. Okay, that would be that would be very interesting. That would be very interesting. I would love to see that. Uh, both of them, you know, six ten or better. So yeah, that would be an interesting interesting combo over there in in Orlando. And they still have Jalen Suggs. So yeah, that would be that would be a very interesting combo in Orlando with with KD and Paolo. I like that. So what else do we have on the docket, Nick? We have James Harden. A uh, little news for, from James Harden in Philadelphia. He agreed to a two-year, $68.6 million extension with the 76ers. That's going to save them about $13 million next year. He was owed, I believe that player option was for 47 and some change. So now they're going to pay him about $33, 34000000 this year. Save about $13, $14 million. Hopefully the Sixers, for their sake, can make a few moves, add a couple pieces, uh, because it did not end well for them last year. Austin Rivers, he signed a one-year deal with my Minnesota Timberwolves. Not the most exciting news in the NBA, um, but, you know, I wanted to report it because it's my team, and, you know, it's Austin Rivers. He's a dookie, signing to my favorite team, so... Shout out to him. Hopefully he can help us uh, with a little scoring off the bench because it's definitely something we've needed. 
So I'm going to say something very unpopular. I did not like the James Harden deal. Um, the way he's been playing, I feel like he should have taken less so they can build more around him and go from there. Well, I mean, the man took a $13 million pay cut, probably a little bit more when it, you know, when it's all said and done. So that's a pretty healthy pay cut, 13 million. You can still sign, you know, two players with the mid-level exception. You can get a couple, a couple solid players for 13, $14 million. So, I mean, I don't hate the deal, but yeah, it, it probably should have been, you know, a two-year deal with a, with a team option or something after the second year but you know James Harden he's a he's an all-star caliber player whether he's been playing like that or not so those guys are always going to get player favorable deals later on in their careers per reports uh, there has been no traction on a deal that involves sending Russell Westbrook out and bringing Kyrie Irving in now we just talked about Durant and there hasn't been any new updates on him I guess you could say this is news about Kyrie Irving uh, but the news is that there's no news to report about a deal going to the Lakers. So that's unfortunate. I know you were really looking forward to possibly getting Kyrie on the team, but there is good news. The Lakers have re-engaged talks with the Indiana Pacers for guard Buddy Heel. Now, this is something you and I talked about, what, last year during free agency that the Lakers we needed to bring did. Buddy Heald in? And let me go on record and say that I was one of the few Laker fans that did not like the Russell Westbrook trade. I thought that we should have gotten Buddy Hield instead. We would have gotten a lot more. We would have saved some picks, in my opinion, um, some money, and we would have gotten what we actually needed, which was a shooter. Yeah, and you know, Buddy's owed, he's owed twenty-two million, I think, next year. Based on the salaries the Lakers have on their roster, it'd have to be a three or four for one player deal. So, you know, and possibly picks, who knows what picks are going to be involved. But, you know, giving up three or four players, whether they're rotation players or not, they're they're definitely giving up the farm to compete. And honestly, it feels like we're talking about this every year and that it's the same thing every year. The Lakers are selling the farm to get, you know, a championship caliber team this year. I think, in my opinion, we, and, you know, call it what it is because I'm happy to have LeBron on our team. Um, I'm a diehard Lakers fan. You know, I may not have been the biggest LeBron fan before, but I'm always going to rock with whoever's on the Lakers. I feel like it was, we went for the name rather than the skill set. And Russell Westbrook is a triple-double machine. Um, he's amazing, but he wasn't what we needed. We needed a shooter. Completely agree. Completely agree. And it's the same with uh, same with Minnesota and the trade we just made for Rudy Gobert. I've never been a huge fan of Rudy Gobert, but I'm always going to rock with my team. Uh, you know, I might not agree with the deal we made and all the pieces and players and picks we gave up, but we're going to compete next year, and we're going to be we're going to be relevant. And you know, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, so, but breaking news though, I do want to report this. This was as of about, eh, about two hours ago, I would say this came out. The Arizona Cardinals and Kyler Murray have agreed to a five-year, $230.5 million extension. $160 million of that is guaranteed. So big news in the NFL for the Cardinals, for Kyler Murray. Huge deal. Uh, that's a Big, big guarantee. 
Um, and that actually brings me into our final segment here of the day. Are players overpaid? I know people debate on this Ooh. all the time. It's a huge debate. Are players overpaid? Um, I'll start off and give my opinion. I'm going to say no. I do not believe that athletes are overpaid. And I'll give you a little example. I'll use the, the Golden State Warriors and Steph Curry for my example. The Warriors were purchased in 2010 for $450 million. They drafted Steph Curry the year before. In 2020, the Warriors were now were then worth $4.3 billion. And in the most recent report by Forbes for 2021, they were worth a reported $5.6 billion. Now, assuming that that number goes up after this title, they should be worth over six and potentially the most valuable franchise in the NBA and all of sports. Right now, the Cowboys lead the way in all sports in the world, uh, worth $5.7 billion. Now, they only pay Curry $54 million. Now, I say only $54 million because the Warriors are projected to break an NBA record and make $800 million this year. So I've never really understood how people say that athletes are overpaid. Most businesses pay 15 to 30% of their revenue in payroll. NBA teams, if you're just going on the salary cap and what they pay their players, they pay, it's right at 15% of their revenue. So it's equivalent to other businesses, you know, what they choose to pay an individual person, that's up to them. Obviously, Steph Curry is bringing in more revenue and is generating more revenue for that team than, say, Damon Lee, who might play eight to 10 minutes a game. I'm curious to hear your opinion on this. Like I said, I've always sided with the athletes on this. I think they generate so much money and so much revenue for these teams and these leagues that I almost don't know if you can realistically put a price on what an athlete should be paid. I go back and forth because are we talking, are they overpaid in general in the grand scheme of the world? Or are we talking about in their sport in general? Well, I, I think because most people's debate is that in general, they're just overpaid. Well, so here's my thing to your argument. No, they're not because if they're bringing in X amount of dollars, for the business, which is their sport, their team, butts in the seat, then no, I don't think they're overpaid because the owners and the team make so much money. When it comes to the grand scheme of things, like compared to your teachers, your military, everything like that, I, I do feel like they are overpaid. Yeah, and I would agree with you there. You know, I think I think other professions definitely need to be paid more. But here, here, here's my argument for that. Teachers themselves, yes, while their work is so important, they're not generating billions and billions of dollars for their schools. If they were, yes, they would obviously deserve to be paid, you know, much, much more than they're being paid. I don't want to get into military salaries. That's a, in my opinion, that's a whole nother ball game. I think they should clearly be paid more than what they're paid. Um, especially considering, you know, what they do and what they go through. Um, but you know, like some of these other professions, 
Yes. Compared to, we'll say firefighters, policemen, you know, their work is super important. And, and again, like athletes, I feel like it's hard to put a worth and a number on that service and what they're doing. Now, like it or not, these athletes are, they're providing a service. It's an entertainment service. We're entertained by what they do and we pay to watch what they do. But these athletes, like I said, at the same time, they're generating these teams and these leagues hundreds of millions and billions of dollars. Let me give you a couple a couple stats here. Annually, the NBA makes about $2 billion from their television deals. Major League Baseball teams received $60 million as part of the league-wide TV deal and $40 million from their local TV deals, totaling over $100 million, and that is individual teams. Each NFL team in 2018-2019 received $274 million for their share of TV revenue, which that year was $8.7 billion. Obviously, the last year before COVID and all the numbers kind of got you know skewed and stuff. So the last really good year that we could take the data from was $8.7 billion that the NFL made in TV money. None of that would be possible without some of these players. Nobody's, nobody's paying to go to Cardinals games to watch the left guard for the Cardinals. They're going to watch Kyler Murray throw the football and run around and score touchdowns. Hence why he's getting a $230 million contract. So, so my argument to that would be because I can't make an argument to your points as far as the business perspective, but going back to teachers, their ultimate goal is to graduate kids and make sure that they move on. Mm -hmm. I feel like with these sports, their ultimate goal is to win championships. So for me, if you're paying X amount of dollars for a player, it shouldn't just be to put them in, put fans in the stands. It should be to win championships. Now I'm not saying Kyler Murray is not deserving of it. So don't hear what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I feel like, some of these players are overplayed because overpaid because one position can't win it. Quarterback is super important. They deserve to be paid the most in the NFL, for instance. But that doesn't mean they should be overpaid just because they put fans in the stands because ultimately you make more money as a business if you win championships. But what do you classify as overpaid is my question. Because, like I said earlier, if you just take, obviously the number for payroll for an NBA team goes up when you consider they pay all of the employees that work for that team. But if you just take the NBA salary cap and compare that to that team's revenue, they are actually on the lower end of what a majority of businesses around the country pay in payroll. Like I said, that number for payroll is about 15 to 30% of their revenue. Well, the NBA teams, they're only allotted 15% to pay their they're athletes. You just stated Kyler Murray, quarterback. It's the most important position in football. They should be paid the most out of every other position, which I agree. It is the most important position. But I believe in basketball, the face of your franchise deserves to be paid the most. Hence why I feel Steph Curry's $54 million a year salary is fair. I mean, I, I, I could probably crunch numbers and and figure out if he's over or underpaid as far as how much money he generates. But think about what I said at the beginning. 
when he was drafted, that team was worth $400 million. That team is almost worth $6 billion today. And if Steph Curry doesn't get drafted to that team, that there's no way they're worth $6 billion. There's no way they're worth anywhere close well, to Well, so that. for me, I think it depends on the sport because I 100% agree with you when it comes to Steph Curry, Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors. For example, let's go with Dwayne Wade. Dwayne mm-hmm. Wade wanted X amount of dollars from the Miami Heat before right. he retired because he took a pay cut. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, I love that he took a pay cut and everything like that, but at that point, was that going to win them a championship by paying him X amount of dollars? That's where I get into it. Like, I'm all for team and taking a pay cut where you need to, but I'm also for getting your money. And I feel like at that point, Dwayne Wade wanted his money, but it wasn't going to benefit the team. Yeah, I mean, you know, that was that was a huge story when it, when it came out, you know, that Dwayne Wade was going to go play in Cleveland because the Heat didn't want to pay him. But again, it comes down to the value of that player. Now, I think in that, in that aspect, I think the heat were thinking more along the lines of, we want a team that can compete. We're not so much worried about what the fans think. You know, I think they were probably on the side of, well, the fans are going to show up regardless of whether Dwayne Wade plays for us or not. So we need to do what's best for the team. But when it comes down to it, certain players raise the value of certain franchises. Now, if let's assume that athletes were paid just a normal wage. Okay. Let's just for, for, for a minute, let's assume that they are getting, getting paid, you know, on the higher end of, of salaries, you know, we'll say in the hundred thousand dollar range, you know, $150,000 range, um, which is higher end for, for the average worker. Right. If you were to tell me that the owners of the warriors bought that team for $400 million and then sold it for $5 billion. And that Steph Curry was only getting paid 150,000 a year. I wouldn't believe it. Like that would just be, I think people would, would riot and protest that type of shit because think about that. That owner has just made 10 times his $400 million investment. The guy that made that possible, i.e. Steph Curry deserves to be compensated for that value. I mean, when you make that argument, it's, <laughs> I, I really can't argue with you on that point. I just feel like as a whole, players are overpaid. I'm not saying certain players don't deserve certain money. I'm saying as a whole, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, and don't get me wrong. There have been some very, very, very bad contracts out there. Some very bad contracts. You know, Ben Wallace, he was well past his prime, if I remember correctly. Um, the Bulls gave him, it was like 50 or $60 million for four years. And I, like I said, I believe he was, he was well past his prime, if I remember correctly. Um, just, I don't know what they were doing. Um, Gilbert Arenas, after getting hurt, after hurting his knee, Signed a $111 million deal. I remember that back in, uh, I think it was like 2007 or 2008. Um, Luol Dang, I don't remember exactly what the numbers of his deal was, but Luol Dang. God, that was a horrible deal. I, your, Lakers, your Lakers paid Luol Dang so much money 
And that man, I don't even think he played for you guys. I think he played maybe six games. What was it? What was the year? Was it like 2015 or 2016 when they were just giving out deals left and right to like the most random people? Um, who was it? Bismack Biombo. Uh, he used to play for the, I don't remember who he's with now, but he used to play for the, for the Bobcats. I remember seeing him play in Charlotte. I think he got like 60, $70 million one, uh, back then. Like unreal, man. Unreal. So, I mean, yeah, don't yes, I know we swing and miss with contracts and everything. I just feel like, I feel like, see, here's where I go back and forth on it because I feel like they should be compensated for what they do, but should it be ahead of time? Like, Luol Deng was paid X amount of dollars because of what we, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, it, it, it's tough. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a very tough subject to, to debate on, you know, yeah, I agree with you in the grand scheme of things. When you look at everything as a whole, all jobs, all professions considered, yes, athletes are overpaid when you look at it from that point of view. But if you look at it from a from a money aspect, strictly a money aspect, and the money that is generated for those leagues and for those teams, these players are... They're fair. Let's just call it like it is. They're fairly compensated. If if your company makes, you know, eight hundred million dollars, and you're one of fifteen employees, you should make millions of dollars. Like I, I don't know many companies that only employ fifteen people that make hundreds of millions of dollars. I so I can't think of any company as an example for this, but. And I don't even know if any any companies like that exist that have 15 employees and generate hundreds of millions of dollars. But like I said, you know, I we went over those TV numbers. NFL teams each, you know, and this number was was verified because the Green Bay Packers, I don't know if you were aware of this, but they are the only NFL team that is publicly owned. Um so all of their they're owned by the city of Green Bay. So all of their finances are public record where I believe if I remember correctly, the other NFL teams, it's their, their earnings are private. They don't have to report those, but being that they are publicly owned the Packers, they have to report every, all their earnings. So their earnings from the NFL TV revenue, like I said, was $274 million. That's just TV money. I, I don't know how else to explain it, you know, any different from what I already have. The athletes generate this money. The people pay to watch these athletes. They're going to pay to watch Steph Curry. They're going to pay to watch guys like LeBron James. That's what people tune in for. That's why those guys are making that kind of money, you know. Probably an unpopular opinion. I know my dad has a much different opinion than this, um, and I respect it, you know, I if you feel that they're overpaid, I respect that opinion. I think it's some, some aspects pe- players are overpaid, you know, let's, we can't talk about sports contracts though, without mentioning Bobby Bonilla every July 1st until that man is 76 years old. He's going to get paid $1.1 million. He hasn't played baseball since 2000, 2001. You know, you want to talk about overpaid Bobby Bonilla is overpaid. He doesn't do a damn thing and gets paid a million dollars a year. So 
<laughs> you know, no, I'm no shout out Bobby Bonilla though. And his agent, I, I think for me as a whole, greatest contract I, ever. I feel like as a whole players are overpaid, but I feel like there's a lot of instances where it doesn't occur, but I think as a whole, if that makes, if that makes sense. No, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, of course. When you compare them to teachers and, and military and, and firefighters and police officers, yes, they are extremely overpaid. But again, when you look at the money of it and you realize that their teams are worth billions and billions of dollars, I think their salaries, I think that justifies their salaries. But again, that's just my opinion. You know, I know some people out there might disagree. And I feel like it's always going to be a great debate. You know what I mean? Oh, it is. It is. I mean, I'm sure back in the day when, when guys were making, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, I'm sure the common person was looking at that saying, why are they paying this man that much money? You know, nobody's worth that kind of money. But nowadays we look at it and it's like, oh, if a guy makes a couple hundred thousand dollars, we don't even hear about it. You know, that's that's le- I think the NBA minimum salary is like nine hundred thousand. So. You know, just the minimum is a million dollars. But that is going to wrap it up for wrap it up for us today. Uh, nice little short episode for us. But I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. I uh, I know it's a debate that we've been wanting to get into for a little bit. I'd love to hear other people's opinions on that. If uh, if you see the post when this goes up, shoot us a message. Let us know what you think. Uh, I'd love, like I said, love to hear other opinions. And we will definitely be coming back and touching base on Major League Baseball and our predictions for who's going to the World Series. We'll definitely be talking about that. The pennant race is are going to get, you know, going to get a lot tighter, going to start heating up, heating up. Um, so yeah, we will definitely be touching base on that in the future. And like we said last week, if we don't have a guest on the, on, you know, that week's episode, it's probably going to be a lot of fantasy football coming up. I know, uh, I know it's getting real close. We're getting down to about 40 something days. So we're going to be getting, getting heavy into that. I think, I think the next one we should do, what do you, what do you think? Should it be, uh, I'm thinking we should do a mock draft. I don't know if we should wait on that, maybe until it gets a little closer, but we'll definitely be doing a mock draft coming up. Um, probably. I think, spend... we, I think we might wait until maybe like the first week of August or something like that. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, we'll give that, we'll give that a couple weeks. Definitely look out for that. Um, I think what we'll do is it'll most likely be the two of us going head-to-head. In, in our leagues this year, I have the, the 10 pick, and John, you have the, two, the second pick. So I do. we'll probably go from there. You know, we'll do our normal picks, kind of do our own little mock draft and run through our picks and our strategies and give you guys, you know, hopefully give you guys some pointers and help you, help you win your drafts this year. Well, as always, my name is Jonathan and I am the Ebony. And my name is Nick and I'm the Ivory. <laughs>